Richard Rohr once said, God's dream is to show God's self. And once we become the seers who are willing to see what God is showing us, which is everything, even the suffering, we are in on the dream of God. Welcome to Illuminate Faith. My name is Dave Exley. And I'm Doug Peck. In today's episode, we celebrate Holy Week as we move toward Easter Sunday and reflect on the message of hope, the message of, of new life that we experience, that road that we travel with God. And, uh, and we explore today the passage from, from Luke chapter 24, Luke's version of the resurrection story and the themes that emerge from that there. So as we reflect this holy week, let us hear these words from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 12. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb, bringing their fragrant spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming bright clothing. The women were frightened and bowed their faces toward the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but has been raised. Remember what he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the human one must be handed over to sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. When they returned from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Their words struck the apostles as nonsense, and they didn't believe the women. But Peter ran to the tomb. When he bent over to look inside, he saw only the linen cloth. Then he returned home, wondering what had happened. The Easter story that uh, that we just heard uh, really helps us to to recognize that uh, the the Christian story, the the resurrection story, there is you know as the uh, the common English Bible uh, puts it to the disciples, uh, thinking that this is nonsense. There is a lot that we need to uh, to reflect upon as we as we think about that reaction to it because. We don't often go to that place of seeing just how crazy, just how insane um, this story is that leads us to new life. This story that that leads us uh, to a deeper place of, of of meaning within this world. How how does this story reveal something about God? Because it does seem like madness when you look at it at the sur- on the surface. Absolutely, we're so used to to thinking about our church culture being that that we come to church saying hooray hallelujah he is risen and yet the message that that i'm sitting with right now after after hearing about the women being baffled going telling the 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 apostles and them saying this is nonsense and then peter saying uh what's going on here and and running down and, and us just being left with the text just leaving us with and he's puzzled he's curious he he doesn't know what's going on um he returned home wondering what had happened. Um, and and that's not traditional good news that we typically 
uh, think of. It's it's not hitting us over our heads with good news, um, and, and yet uh, it it grows into such good news. Yeah. Obviously, as we we skip over the events of 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 Holy Week, important to to consider this story in light of the trauma that has been experienced. To this point, because I think that that's something where if we go to that place of recognizing the full story and uh, and the connection points along the way, it um, it deepens our, our our understanding of what's going on within this story. I think that uh, the events of Good Friday, the denial, the way in which the the crowd you know moves so quickly from their their um, their hosannas to these crucify me chants or crucify him chants. Um, it, it really is something where we have to sort of get inside the heads of, of those followers of, of Jesus so that we might understand what they're going through in this moment and what leads them from that place of despair and darkness uh, into the light of, of Resurrection Sunday. Because that's, the, that's a big part of the powerful um, nature of this story is the fact that here these people that have experienced this great trauma, their hope it seems to have been you know, completely has, has completely disappeared. Um, the flame that once burned so brightly is, has been, you know, extinguished and yet something profound and incredible happens that leads them to this place of, of hope and, and, and new life. And in the story, obviously, you know, we, we have a, a Peter that, that races back uh, to the tomb, doesn't find the resurrected Christ. You know, we don't experience that. I mean, Gospel of Mark doesn't end with uh, with people touching, you know, the the actual physical body of, of Christ. And so I think the Gospel writers would, would tell us, um, you know, in particular Luke in this story would tell us that there is something beyond that touch that, uh, that we need to pay attention to. Um, yeah, th- th- I, you, you use the word trauma, Dave, and, and this is a word that came up quite a bit at, um, I, I recently went to a preaching conference in, at U of T, was celebrating uh, the, the, the career of Paul Scott Wilson, our, our preaching professor over at Emmanuel College. And a lot of the keynote speakers were uh, former doctoral students of his. And, and one of them was uh, who was speaking uh, specifically on trauma. Um, and she, she, uh, her name's Joni uh, Sankin, and she's coming out with a book soon, Words That Heal, Preaching Hope to Wounded Souls. And um, she she makes the point to 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 talk about trauma and label certain things because it can have such a healing effect in our preaching. And, and one of the points that she made that that really sticks out in my head is is that when you have experienced trauma, you can't foresee the future. And, and I've heard parishioners say this in pastoral care moments that that they they know that they've come out. Um, they're coming into an exciting place of being where they can think about planning a vacation with their spouse or with their family. And all of a sudden they realize, I couldn't do that before. And now I can. And what a wonderful shift that is. Um, but but it took Joni's presentation to, to really connect those dots for me that, oh, the trauma doesn't have such a hold on you. It's not, it, it, it's not such a uh, uh, sort of a... a well, yeah, you're you're just not you're you're not trapped in that moment, mm-hmm. and I, and I think about the way in which we see that within this this story of disciples just being like 
not being able to move, yeah, being trapped. trapped. Yeah. And, and, and what a wonderful thing that, you know, there, there's a movement within this story from, from Luke, um, a movement that, that prompts us to think about that trauma that they were experiencing. You know, it's not the men that, that go out. I mean, they, they're living in fear. They're trapped in this moment. And the women who maybe are leaning into that and able to sort of process that, they're the ones. And yet they wake up early in the morning. Perhaps there's a fear there, right? Uh, we don't we don't want to engage with the world within this moment. We don't want to move forward, and so let's go at an hour where we don't have to encounter anybody, and we'll 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 honor that body, we'll honor that life, um, you know, the our teacher uh, at a time that's convenient for us, so that we don't have to worry about that movement that we may need to make forward, and 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 we get to the end of this passage, and and it's Peter running to the tomb, right? That, that it's all logic is out the door and suddenly it's like, you know, the spirit has moved enough within him to help him to move into the future, right? Mm-hmm. That he's able to take that first step. And maybe that's the whole piece that's happening here is that that he is um, able to emerge from that traumatic experience and, and, and move into the future, um, you know, only when others have sort of taken those steps before him. And, and he's kind of... I don't know. He's in that space where, where where nothing rational is going through his his head. But uh, but yeah, that that trauma piece is important for us to consider because I think we've all been there, right? And what is it that leads us to that place? Because clearly, it's it's the women moving to the tomb and and letting go of fear to a certain extent, taking that first sort of like dipping their their toe into those waters and and testing it out a little bit, and then Peter just diving in. Um, what a, what a powerful image that is that we can all learn from as we think about what it means to walk in the light of the resurrection. I, I love the way, uh, you started off this episode today with Richard Rohr talking about how it's our job to become seers of God, that, that God wants us to, God's dream is to be revealed to us. And, and, you know, it's a very simple thing. Um, and it's, it's in kind of an act of worship where the women see these celestial beings, these two beings. Uh, it's it's in that inward place. You, you were joking to me a little while ago, the, the, a writer in your congregation saying, you know, sometimes I, I think about what I'm going to write when I'm just listening to you preach, Dave, you know, that you, you have, you go into that different space and maybe, you know, maybe, you know, full-blown disclosure. And I remember hearing this of another writer too, likes to go to church and just starts to think about what they're going to write. What what you know, their deeper calling is is accessed when when they're they're in that just peaceful place, that that zoning place that um and I I think I I'm thinking of the story where where um you know, Adam and Eve, they see God all the time. And uh it was very normal for them to see God regularly. And then the, the serpent says, eat this fruit, it'll make you like God. And, and Eve says, no, it's going to kill me. And, and the serpent says, it's not going to kill you. God just wants you to not realize that you'll be like God and live forever. And, and she eats the fruit. And the most baffling thing about the story is she doesn't die. Hmm. And, and, and it leaves me wondering, is God a liar? Uh, and I also wonder... Um, or, or is the serpent a liar and the serpent's definition of life and death is different than God's definition of life and death? 
Because what does happen is they're ashamed. They can no longer just see God everywhere. God can't see them. And this notion of being able to see uh, is perhaps God's true definition of life. I, I wonder if, and we, you know, we can get, we can leave this to the theologians that uh, that can unpack that passage of scripture. But I think the imagination takes you to that place of saying that perhaps that moment is a moment of trying to rise above the, you know, one's own humanity, right? Imagining that that what what God is trying to prevent is is from those ascending to that that level. And here's this sort of like response to that that story that one story of creation from genesis where god's like flipping the script and saying no actually it's it's god's desire to to come down to humanity and and to dwell within that i I think that there there are times where we all sort of look at our lives and 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 want to um you know, cleanse ourselves from any any of the uh, uh, the difficulties within life. I, I love. I've shared recently, but there's a great prayer that uh, Ted Loader, um, who wrote the the book uh, of prayers, uh, Gorillas of Grace. And there's a line that he uses in one of the prayers there that I just love, where it just talks about this this messed up mixture of glory and grime, this messed up mixture of glory and grime. And and I think that. What I see within the the events of Holy Week is a God that that helps us to understand what it means to embrace this life that is a is a messed up mixture of glory and grime and the beauty of a number of weeks ago we we talked with Christine Sharp and and heard her reflect on the the image of of oil and and vinegar and how those two things just don't seem to work and yet they mix so well I think that um, that desire to to imagine. Um, being godlike takes us to a place where actually we we can't even, you know, when we imagine that space where there's like no suffering, where the, where there is just only glory, I think that we fail to recognize that it takes us to this place where where there's also no life there, right? Is is living truly living when one is in that place where we're not experiencing the messed up mixture of, of glory and, and, and grime. You talk about um, Adam and Eve, and, and I was reflecting on, there's a great, um, in, in Jürgen Moltmann's book, In the End, The Beginning, The Life of Hope, he reflects on this image of the resurrection and, and reflects on a um, uh, an image that for those of us, you know, in, in sort of mainstream Christian circles, we may, you know, lean away from this image, but he pulls out this this image from the Orthodox Easter tradition um, and he, he says this in his book, he says, the, the Orthodox Easter icon brings out the collective character of Christ's resurrection particularly well. The resurrection begins in the world of the dead. The risen Christ pulls Adam with his right hand and Eve with his left, and with them draws the whole of humanity out of the world of death into the transfigured world of eternal life, his new beginning in his end is the beginning of God's new world in the passing away of this one. And then he goes on, a, a beginning which will never again pass away because it issues from the victory over transience. I, I love that image um, because not that, you know, the whole, as as theologians would call it, the, the harrowing of hell image where we get from the Apostles' Creed, the Christ who descends to the dead, which seems like a very dark and archaic image that gives us illusions of, you know, Dante's Inferno, um, which we don't want to go there, don't associate those two things there. But there is something about 
a God who is willing to go to that place of despair, that place where there is, you know, death and darkness in a, such a concentrated way that it seems like there's no possibility for hope or new life and to reach out and grab us. I think that we don't even need to talk about the afterlife to, to understand the implications of that and what that means for us in the midst of, of this Easter story and what it means to be um, participants in the resurrection. Not too long ago, I, ha- I have this congregation member that had a cataract removed and, and uh, they'd put up with poor vision for so long, not even realizing how poor their vision had become. And, and now they're living in this amazing reality that, oh, I can see and I can see things really well. And, and um, th- this notion of living into this new life uh, where, where, you know, at first they're a little puzzled. Why am I? What? what's going on here? Um, but then to realize, oh, I'm getting pulled out of despair. Oh, I can now see the future. Oh, I can now uh, envision a better world. Um, th- this is this is just, uh, this is something that I think, I see that shift happening in our world today to to a large degree. With, with we, we recently heard the sad, sad news of uh, of the Basilica in France, uh, Notre Dame, uh, catching on fire. We, we saw those images on the news of the spire falling. And yet, um, anything I've heard since then just seems to be this collective urge on, on the part of, of so many people around the world to, to get this place back functioning again to to rebuild to make it to make it well again to to uh, you hear about all these people wanting to donate money and and a commitment that it will happen um and and are we at a point where we we have a group wanting to see well wanting to be pulled out of of the despair uh, that the, the world is throwing at them, and and I think this this sad reality of this destruction is, is showing us that, sh- showing us a, a deeper uh, urge on on so many people's um, sort of inner being of of, of them wanting to uh, to to be pulled into this Easter story. Yeah, I I think some some really powerful images there. I haven't seen too many. Yet. Um, you know, haven't been locked into. Uh, um, all the the social media posts and uh, and news items related to uh, to that tragic uh, moment in Paris, but uh, but have seen enough to recognize that wow, what a what an amazing thing to see these people gather together and and to in in many ways embody what it means to to show us that here this amazing. I mean, there's no denying it's an amazing structure. I've never I've never been, uh, but you know if you've been to some of those the world's greatest. Uh, basilicas and 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 uh, church buildings, places of, of worship. There is no denying that that there's something about the grandeur of those places that that speak to human achievement and 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 all of those things. Um, and and sort of see people kind of um, acting out what it means to show us that you know that ain't the church, that ain't the thing that we should be you know celebrating. But it's actually in those moments where we see people singing songs of faith, where we see people sort of coming together as, as a way of, of expressing oneself when we don't know what 
to really even say. And I think it's even powerful that, that I've noticed that folks have said, oh, it's the, the tragedy within all of this is that there are some some mosques and other places of worship that, that have been bulldozed and burned to the ground and, and no one's really batted an eye. And maybe we should be paying attention to that. And it prompts us to, to, to reflect on oneself. Why are these um, news networks spending so much time on something that is a, a, a monument while we have you know, indigenous communities that are without uh, clean water. I mean, in that moment of reflecting on that, it provides an opportunity to sort of see as Christ sees, to see it, you know, to go back to that Richard Rohr quote that, that really God's dream is to show God's self. And where is God's self? Because that's what Jesus is trying to do, I think, with this resurrection story is to say, go, you know, why, why are you looking for life? Why are you looking for the presence of God in a dead place? Look for the presence of God, look for that divine presence in the living, right? That Matthew 25 passage of recognizing that, you know, as in other passages, recognizing that, uh, that really, where do we see the face of Christ? Where do we see the face of God? It's, it's in the stranger, it's in our neighbor, it's in, you know, that collective experience of, of, um, sharing in humanity and in relationship with one another, in friendship with one another, in in shared existence with one another. And so how do we become the seers? Well, we become the seers by doing ridiculous things like racing to a grave uh, to answer that question in the midst of a traumatic experience where we've recognized the harm that we've done, the harm that we've caused, um, how do we become the seers is such a big part of this Easter experience for us. And I, and I can't help but think, but a, a big part of becoming a seer is, is to really dwell in being puzzled. And, uh, uh, you, you exposed me to that wonderful, uh, poem by, by Wendell Berry last week where, where the, the baffled mind is employed that we want to have employed minds it, and so often we we think that um, uh, that we need to have the answers quickly, and yet, but but to to allow ourselves to sit with uh, being baffled, being puzzled. Um, but I like what you said there about about but but now direct us to the living. Mm. Take this baffled mind and take it to the living. Yeah, and so may we may we look for that and and. Uh in the midst of our despair and in the midst of the weight that we carry within this world of of ours may god in this easter season pull us out of that place of despair and, and darkness and pull others out of that place of despair and darkness and may we walk together uh, in the light of the resurrection and uh, and celebrate what it means to see as god sees and dream with god Hope you have a blessed uh, rest of the Holy Week if you're listening during Holy Week and, uh, and a happy Easter if you're listening in the midst of the Easter season here. We celebrate this and thanks for listening to Illuminate Faith. <laughs>